Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling on, presented by Progressive Insurance guests Tom Brady Sr. in 15 minutes and Howie Long, the Hall of Famer, a half hour from now, both on the Goodyear hotline on this day after the Super Bowl. Enjoyed a chat with Alex Smith earlier today, turned the comeback player of the year into an analyst, and he had great insight into a stunner. I say it again, and I, I won't stop saying it. I'm flabbergasted by what happened last night. I'm blown away. I am enormously surprised, and I'm filled with um, appreciation. That's not the right word. Respect, admiration. I can't believe what they did. And I think that the performance of the Buccaneers last night, beginning with Brady, but then filtering to everyone else, is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in sports. I found this tweet that I wanted to share, by the way. If you're just joining me here, I'm going to get into the big picture stuff. But I, I, there were a few small items that I did not get to in the first hour that I didn't get to flesh out that I want to share here. There were two storylines coming out of last night as far as in-game stuff. I mean, when a game is decided by 22 points, it's kind of hard to point to little moments in the game and say this decided it, that decided it. Basically, what decided it was that the defense of the Buccaneers just dominated Patrick Mahomes and the offense, particularly the offensive line. But what would have been a story, if that second half is close, what would have been a story is what happened with the officiating in the first half where it certainly did feel like they were calling it very close on that Kansas City secondary. They had 95 yards and penalties in the first half, some critical ones. And when they went to halftime, you saw Boomer Esiason talking about it on the halftime show. I think Nate Burleson also referenced it as far as questioning whether they were good calls, and Twitter was going crazy. But I did find this tweet from Tony Dungy, and I think this is right. This is at halftime, mind you. So this isn't after the game. He tweeted this at halftime. Tony tweeted, Chiefs cannot blame this first half on the refs. When you punch guys in the face after the play, line up offside and get beat deep and flail at receivers, penalties are going to get called. And I think that's right. And that's good for him because that's not after the game, pointing out, as I did, that you can't blame the officiating when you lose 31-9. to But he said it at the moment that this story was not about the officials. And I think he's right. While I didn't love the officiating last night, it was not totally unfair, and it certainly didn't decide the outcome. The other piece of this that's really important is Andy calling the timeouts at the end of the half. And here's what I'll say about that. You're down 14-6. to The other team is playing better than you, but your defense had a goal line stand that keeps it from being a more one-sided game than it is. You're going into halftime and you're getting the ball to start the second half. Kansas City is getting the ball to start the second half. And with a little over a minute to go on a third down spot in an effort to try and get it back from Mahomes one time, they call the timeout. And if you look at the final seconds of the first half, in each of their last three games, Tampa had the ball to end the half. In each case, they knew their opponent was going to get the ball to start the second half. In the divisional round at New Orleans, they went on a 13-play drive over the last 228 of the half, culminating in a touchdown that tied the game. In the NFC Championship, legendarily, you know, they threw a 39-yard touchdown to Scotty Miller with one second remaining. And then last night, after Andy calls the timeout, Tampa turns that into a first down, turns that into a couple of big penalties, and turns those into a touchdown pass to Antonio Brown with six seconds left in the half to go up 21-6. And that really changes everything last night. So the question is, did Andy Reid make a mistake calling that timeout? And here's what I'll say. 
We get the luxury of sitting here and judging these things after the result has been determined. So obviously it was the wrong thing to do now that you see how it turned out. But to have to view these things like you would a hand of blackjack. You don't know what card the dealer is going to turn over. You have to make the right decision in the absence of that information. And I will say, even with that, I think it was a mistake. And I can't prove it, but I turned to my son at, at sitting on the couch and I said, he should not call that timeout. They should not. They should let this go to the half. They're better off getting to the half at 14-6 than taking a chance. If it wasn't third and 22, it was third and two. They're much better off in this spot, not using the timeout. Go to the half at 14-6, get the ball to start the third quarter, drive down there and try and tie it, or at least get it to 14-13. Maybe you don't go for the two there, but either way, they let the momentum get crazy. It was not, in my opinion, worth the risk that Brady would do exactly what he did. And it's really never a game again. I didn't think it was over at halftime, but I was wrong. It was. That drive ends the game. So that's an enormous moment, an enormous decision that Andy makes, and that's just the way it's going to be. So those are some fascinating stats as far as what they were able to do at the ends of these first halves. Each of these three games, touchdown drive at New Orleans, Saints were getting the ball. 39-yard touchdown to, to Scotty Miller, Packers were getting the ball. Last night they go down and they score a touchdown with six seconds left. Chiefs were getting the ball. Those are the deciding factors. That's how Tampa Bay wins the championship. Fascinating stats brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. But in the end, the story here is about Tom Brady. He is the GOAT now and forever. That's how I opened the show today. No room for debate, no room for discussion, nothing. Mahomes was the hope, no more. I actually thought Mahomes played pretty well last night. You cannot sit here and say Patrick Mahomes is the reason his team didn't win. He was under siege. Last night, he was running for his life. I gave you the stat earlier. He ran 497 yards, according to next-gen stats, before passes or sacks yesterday, the most of any quarterback in any game this year. 497 yards last night. So he was under siege. And oh, by the way, his teammates didn't help him out a lot. Bunch of drops last night. That Last night was not about diminishing him. He will be back. But it was about Brady ending it all, ending all debate and discussion. He brought Gronk. He brought A.B. He brought Fournette. They were the offense last night. His teammates were taking selfies with him afterwards. And as Ryan Clark said this morning on Get Up, only half kiddingly, half the players on that team will tell their children someday, not that they won a Super Bowl, but that they played with Tom Brady. He's above football now. He's in the conversation with Ruth and Gretzky, and Jordan, those are the people we talk about Tom Brady with. That is the company he now keeps. He has more Super Bowl championships than any franchise. The Patriots have six, the Steelers have six, Tom Brady has seven. His dad will join me coming up in just a moment. I will take one moment here, however, to point out, as you are probably aware, that all of us at ESPN are working today with heavy hearts. My friend Pedro Gomez died yesterday Suddenly and unexpectedly, at the age of 58, at his home, he survived by three children. I've known Pedro, I guess, almost as long as I've been at ESPN. He was a magnificent reporter, primarily focusing on baseball, but covered any number of things for us extraordinarily well. He was on Mike and Mike all the time, covering all the big baseball stories, always doing it with great panache. He was a classy, really smart, 
really interesting intellectual person, loved baseball. His parents came here from Cuba. That was an incredibly important part of his life. I remember vividly him coming on when they went down and played those baseball games in Cuba. And he talked about how much that meant to him and to his family. He brought his father's ashes to Cuba to bury them there because his parents had fled. And I could talk about him all day. He was just a very nice, very smart man who did an extraordinarily good job here. And I know that this is one of those overstated phrases that you will hear when someone dies, but you're not going to find anybody who had a bad word about Pedro. You would not have found anyone on Saturday who had a bad thing to say about Pedro. So our thoughts are with his family, with his wife, with his kids, with everybody who loved him. I know the people who cover baseball in particular today are feeling it. It's a hard day. It's a hard day for all of us at ESPN to come to work, to lose someone like Pedro that suddenly and that unexpectedly. So rest in peace, my friend. Thank you for all the insight and all the laughs that you brought my shows over the years. And again, my thoughts are with his family. I'm back in a moment. This is ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. All right, we are back on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. The Hall of Famer Howie Long will join me coming up. But I'm getting used to these chats, and I'm guessing my next guest is as well. Joining me on the Goodyear hotline is Tom Brady Sr., whose son... Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. last night won his seventh Super Bowl, which still is very difficult for me to say. Good morning and congratulations, Mr. Brady. Good morning, Greeny. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I, I can imagine you are doing great. I, I, how would you <laughs> take me through it? I saw some pictures of you last night, you and your wife. I saw some pictures of you with the Mahomes family and all of that. Just take me through last night and the experience of it for you. Well, you know, we, we, like everybody else, thought it was going to be a battle. And, uh, and they jumped on us three nothing real quick. And then we just responded and kept responding. And I think without doubt, it's the best complete game that the Bucks have played all season, offensively, defensively, special teams. You know, they, they, uh, the, the Chiefs came a little closer and suck up, hits a 50 yard field goal. You know, there's, the special team, everybody was, uh, it was just a culmination of 20 weeks of, of continuously getting better. And frankly, for me, it's the first game, first Super Bowl game that I've ever 
walked out of the stadium with my fingernails intact. Because <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, we, we certainly didn't expect it. And, I mean, the Chiefs are so darn good and so daunting to have to confront in the Super Bowl. But, you know, some our defense was spectacular. The offense uh, completed the, the process. So uh, I feel ex- extraordinarily happy. Uh, this is a, a surreal feeling. Um, I, I'm almost floating because it has, we just keep shaking ourselves and wondering and saying, why God him? Why God us? You know, it's just, we've been very blessed. Why? Well, I mean, I, I understand the question, but how is this one different? The, the fact that the, the previous six had been in New England, then he makes this decision to go off, you know, in this way to, down to Tampa. How is this one different for him and how is it different for you? Well, for, for him, it's different, obviously, and it, this has kind of been rehashed so much that, you know, during this offseason, um, he hardly got a chance to know his teammates' names, much less to help develop the culture. And, you know, the culture had been developed up in New England for many, many years. So it was it was uh, a little bit on, on a remote control in New England, whereas coming down here, um, these guys just wanted to have some some experience and and to kind of be showing how it's done. I know when Tommy got to New England years ago and they had the Vrabels and the Beginnesses and those guys, he learned from them. And now down here, they're able to learn from him. It's just uh, it's kind of the life cycle. And fortunately, uh, these guys were so well skilled that you know it, it was a it was a short tutoring class because they picked it up in 20 weeks and and uh obviously and and the season on a very jubilant note remarkable tom brady senior is with me here on espn radio i'm reading that every night this week at exactly 11 o'clock he texted all his teammates saying we will win this game where does that come from mr brady where does that confidence, that self-belief that, that he's able to impart on everyone, where does it come from? You know, he's just, I, you know, I think it comes from uh, preparation and then expectation. And uh, he's, he, he works so darn hard at this thing and, and as, as everybody does, but he's been fortunate to be able to have some pelts on the wall as a result of the last six, one, six victories in the last nine visits that, uh, you know, People kind of the, the guys will line up and and listen to him because he knows he's got their best interests at heart, and uh, I think that's what any kind of leader um, hopes to be able to accomplish to pass on to his team is the belief. If the mind can conceive it, the body can achieve it, mm. and it's an old one of those Napoleon Hill axioms. But the reality is, is you got to believe it and. It's, it's just not kind of think we can do it. It's rather we know that we can do it. And they know that they can follow him because he's been so consistently getting to this to this game and having success in it. You know, I was just asking Alex Smith about this, and you're a, a better person to talk to about it. Again, Tom Brady Sr. with me. Uh, your son is a man who has accomplished more than anyone ever has in the history of his sport. He has genuinely done it all. He has made more money than anyone could spend in 10 lifetimes. And he has an unlimited list of options of things he could do with his life whenever he decides to stop playing football. So what motivates him? What drives him to keep doing this? 
You know, I think what drives him and what motivates him is the process. I don't think while the goal of the Super Bowl is spectacular, I'm not sure that that's necessarily what drives him. It's not like, hey, I get to my third Super Bowl or fifth Super Bowl and drop the mic. It's if you're if you're a musician and you you write five number one hits. You could turn around and say, why are you going to keep writing hits? You've already accomplished five number ones. And they're not doing it because they're going to get to number one. They're getting doing it because they love writing music. Well, in his situation, he loves to write the music of football. He loves he, he loves the dirty work. He loves the off-season workouts. He loves the diet. He loves the exercise. He loves the locker room. He loves the mentoring. So it's the process that what's, is what drives him and motivates him. It's not because it's not like you, you got a line in the sand that on February 7th, 2021, you won the Super Bowl. Uh-uh. He's thinking already about February of 22 and not because he's so driven, but he loves it. What else would he rather do with his life? Then he's got a great family life and he's got a great business life and his business is, is uh, football. So why, why stop if what you're doing is exactly what you love? You don't mind the off-season workouts. You don't mind getting treatment every day when you're, you're sore. You don't mind practicing in the 100-degree weather during the, the August down here or up in New England when it was 20 degrees and they were playing in, in November. It's it's a process that he, he like one of, of some people who find their true passion in exactly what they're doing. And again, the passion is is the process. The passion isn't the, the conclusion. It's really well said. And and I guess he plays for this the best reason anyone ever does anything because he genuinely loves it. Uh, Mr. Brady, I, I've told you many times how much these conversations mean to me. Thank you very much for, for taking this time, as always. Congratulations to you and the family. Enjoy this, and I hope we talk again soon. Me too. Maybe next February. How's that sound? <laughs> it's a date, if not sooner. Thank you very much. Tom Brady Sr. Again, the family. What can you say? I, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what to say. I covered this stuff for 30 years. What do you say when someone wins their seventh Super Bowl? I, I don't really have words. We'll see if Howie Long does. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's live next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. I'm coming to you live, as always, from the Seaport District at Pier 17. I'm brought to you by Chase... And presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. My my thanks always to Progressive Insurance for being the sponsor of this show. And I am delighted to welcome on this the morning after the Super Bowl, one of the great players of all time, a guy who knows a little something about defense and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now at Fox, Howie Long is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Howie Long. Good morning, Green. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific, and I'm still stunned. I'll be honest with you, I'm stunned. 
And, and I want to set up the conversation this way this morning. I was I, I did this list today of the most surprising dominations in Super Bowl history. And one of the ones on the list was a game you played in. When you were on the Raiders, you went up against a Washington team that was number one in the league in offense that year. They scored a million points. Theismann was the MVP. John Riggins had like 1,400 yards. And you guys just shut them down. So for that as the perspective, how would you describe what we saw this defense for Tampa do last night to Patrick Mahomes and his offense? Well, and I and I think hey, I played Washington earlier in the year and, and lost the game up there. They had set a scoring record that I think stood through the Chris Carter, Randy Moss era in Minnesota. Um, you looked at the first game and you thought, you know, obviously you can't play, you know, man coverage. And <clears throat> I, I think the thing you try to do is, as a defense, you try to make – Kansas City, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, those great receivers, patient. It's like putting a Ferrari in the 55 zone and, and asking them to just stay below 55. They're not a patient offense. Uh, I, I felt like if they were going to have a shot, even when you're down by a couple of touchdowns, you, you just chip your way back. You take what's there. You take the underneath route. You run the football, help your offensive line. <clears throat> but I think the impact of Tom Brady, and hats off to Todd Bowles, hats off to Bruce Arians, Byron Lefwich, the entire coaching staff. But Tom walks in the building and raises the level of commitment and attention to detail of everyone in the building. And it's interesting because I think you could make the case that the thing that makes Tom special, it's not its physical gifts. I mean, we've all seen the combine film. Uh, there are people who throw the ball harder, longer, uh, better athletes, stronger athletes at that position. Everyone does the prerequisite amount of preparation. And then Tom walks in the building and it changes everyone's perspective. And I think this team, which was essentially microwaved, you know, I mean, it, it's a, particularly given the offseason. And I think for these two teams in this year, that's been a challenge for all of us, and particularly the two teams that ended up playing in the Super Bowl, it's the equivalent of climbing Everest with all that you've been through and all the distractions and all the, all the ups and downs and positive tests and negative tests and tracing and all of that. Uh, and one team falls short and one team puts its flag on top of Everest. Howie Long is with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Were you ever around a guy like that? Like, who was that guy? You mentioned it, and everyone says it. Brady walks in the building, and everybody's level just rises. There's something about him that causes that and creates that in others. Was there ever anyone that – who was that in your playing experience? Uh, you know, I, I don't think we – I don't think many teams, I, I mean, there's just not a lot of Tom Brady's around. Mm. Uh, you know, the level of, you know, like I said, everyone does the, the prerequisite amount of work. It's two hours on the field. It's, you know, you're in the meeting room, you're in the weight room, you're in the training room, you're trying to eat right, all that. And then there's Tom and, and he just takes it to another level and he's done it for so, the impressive thing to me is 
to have that kind of commitment for the length of time that he's had and to go to another team and another offense and for them to kind of figure it out after the bye and kind of meet in the middle somewhere with Bruce's offense and what Tom's comfortable in, taking the shots down the field. But taking the shots down the field with play-action pass, with 6-7 in protection, <clears throat> including Gronk in protection. And, and Gronk's such a selfless player. And I, I think when you come from New England, that's certainly you know, the, the mantra there. It's, it's, it's not about you. It's about, it's about the team. It's about winning. He was terrific last night. You're right. Obviously, his blocking is extraordinary, and that was a big part of what they did on offense all year long while you know, people who don't really know the game would say, well, look, Gronk is barely making a, a, a dent there, right? He's not catching all these passes. Well, last night, he actually plays a big role in the passing game and catches two touchdowns, too, which I think was, you know, for those of us who enjoy his play, I think that was nice to see, Howie. No, no question. And it was, you know, when you, when you take the time off like Gronk did and, and, and Gronk's time off on, you know, is, is as, as colorful as his time on the field, you know, <laughs> so getting back in, you know, real shape. And you could see it through the early part of the year, you know, he was kind of finding his legs and he, he got them probably mid season and he was probably a little bit banged up and, uh, happy for him. And, you know, I, I think a big part of what they did was they, they found what Tom likes to do and make him, you want to take your shots down the field, but take your shots down the field, like the shot before the half in the NFC championship game to Miller. It's off of play action. It's six, seven in protection. That's the best way to go. I think for Kansas city, when they got behind, I think the offensive line became a focal point. The way you, Take that. Take the focal point off of them. Is you run the football. You take what's there on the shorter routes. That's being patient. That's the formula for really beating Kansas City. But it's easier said than done. Uh, the Raiders did it. Uh, then the next week uh, versus Buffalo, I think they ran for 240 yards, and and I think they would have been better off running the football, protecting that offensive line, taking what was there, and chip your way along. And nobody mentioned during the game, you know, with Kansas City down as much as they were, you know, down 28 to three in the Super Bowl, Brady was versus versus Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, so there there is a method to it and you can do it, particularly in a big game like that. But it takes a, I, I think it takes patience. You have to chip away. You can't get it all in one play. Yep, and they never did it. I agree with you. And the little bit that they ran, no. Clyde Edwards-Alaire last night, he was effective. They they ran it a little bit with some success, but the, I, I agree with you. They never stuck with it. The great Howie Long is with me. Um, how much fun is it when you're playing defense and you're dominating a game the way those guys were last night? Like the, the, the Buccaneers defenders just looked like they were having a lot of fun. What is it like when you're playing defense and you are <clears throat> owning the line of scrimmage and the quarterback is running for his life? Well, I, I think you, you play for I mean, in the first game, they were embarrassed in the first half of the game. Uh, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards receiving, and they're playing cover one, and, and they never really got the opportunity to get their, their defensive front, which, you know, they got Vea back, Sue, and, you know, Sue gets a championship. JPP played extremely well. Barrett played well. And with a makeshift offensive line, you know, you have the opportunity to really take the football game over. And Patrick was on the run for most of the game. And and I, I thought, 
you know, it's interesting because they, people say he was off. I don't think he was patient, but I don't know that he was off. Even on a couple of those throws, the one throw he made horizontal yeah. was in the hands of the receiver at the goal line. Hill also dropped the ball at the goal line. The penalties killed them in the first half. Um, you could certainly debate a couple of the penalties, but for the most part, I, I think they got it right. You know, the only question that I have is how you call this game versus how you call the rest of the playoffs. It seemed like they were calling it tight in the secondary. Absolutely. I, I think what happened was, for the sense I get, is that the, the, there was a feeling watching the tape that the Chiefs held the Bills receivers a lot and it wasn't called. And I think the Bucks probably made that yep. a point of effacence sent in letters. Whatever it is that you do in that circumstance, you would know better than I. And they had the officials watching for that because clearly the officials were yeah, looking Alan, for those defenses. Alan, yeah. Alan, had, Alan had nowhere to go with the ball. <clears throat> and it was so impressive. And you look at their receiving court. Evans is a big, physical, tough and he brings in, you think about Fournette, they bring in Brown. Uh, to me, I, I think Tom takes the responsibility. And it's, you know, it's like my son Chris played in New England and won a championship there with them. One of the first guys who walk up to him, shake his hand, said, Hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> really? Chris is like, Really? <laughs> he, he has a way of, as all great leaders do, to kind of bring everyone into the tent. And I, I think, I, I don't know that we're going to see anyone like this again. And when you start talking about seven Super Bowls and, you know, over that period of time, it's not fair to Patrick Mahomes to put him in that category uh, right away. Yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to say. When someone wins their seventh championship, I've, I have no experience in knowing what to say when that happens, so I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my well, pants. Well, when, yeah. when you start using someone's first, middle, and last name, uh-huh. they're either presidents or they've done something really extraordinary. That's exactly right. Thomas Edward Peter Brady the junior is is now a seven-time Super Bowl champion. Howie Long, it is a yeah. pleasure. Thank you always for your time. I, I, I so appreciate it. Have a wonderful offseason, the best of the family, and we'll catch up soon. You too, partner. Thanks for having me. You got it, as always. That's the great Howie Long, who's terrific on Fox, obviously. He's been great for years uh, and had great insight into that. And I think that's exactly right. That's really well said. What the Chiefs needed last night was a little patience. What is that song? All it takes is a little patience. Who wrote that song? That's a... I, I'm, I'm picturing that song in my head. Well, it, it's Guns N' Roses. Yes, it's a Guns N' Roses song. And that, that's what they needed. They needed a little patience. Like, like if you watched when they ran the ball with Clyde Edwards-Alaire last night, it worked. Like they were running it. And they never stuck with it. They just never stayed with it. It's, not what they, it's clearly not what they wanted to do. But it is what they should have been doing. Um, all right, I want to tell you a story. And, and I do a feature here called Tell Me a Story. But this will be the first time I'm ever telling you a story from the future. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. I'm going to tell you my favorite story about Tom Brady. It it takes place circa circa the year 2050. 2050. So we're about 30 years from now. And it involves me. And I'm sitting on a porch swing. And I'm surrounded by my great-grandchildren. They're all around me. Ideally, I have just finished shooting my age on the golf course. And I'm drinking an outstanding glass of wine. And I've got all my great-grandkids circling around me. And they're saying to me, Greeny, because that's what they're going to call me. To be very clear, no one's calling me grandpa. I'm not interested in any of that. None of this pappy, pop-pop. I'm not, I'm not down for that. 
They're either going to call me Greeny or the Hall of Famer Mike Greenberg, one or the other. I haven't decided yet. But either way, they're going to say to me, Greeny, who was the greatest player you ever saw play? And I will tell them to lean close and listen as I tell them about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. And this comes as an abject shock to me. Because I was 24 years old when a guy by the name of Ron Gleason changed my life with one sentence. He said to me, Mike, you've done a good job. We're going to send you on the road with the Bulls. That weekend, I flew to Cleveland to cover Michael Jordan in the 1992 Eastern Conference Finals, and my life was literally never the same again. So my connection to Michael Jordan is very personal. I saw it all up close and personal. All the work that we know goes into becoming that guy, all the maniacal competitiveness that we watched on TV last spring. I saw it. I was there. And I would have bet you my life that I would never, ever say that anyone was greater than MJ. But fair is fair. What Brady did this year at 43, changing teams, joining a franchise that hadn't been to the playoffs in 13 years, hadn't won a playoff game since January of 2003, with a 68-year-old head coach who had won one playoff game in his life, and a mishmash of pieces that mostly people didn't want, with no offseason, no preseason, truncated everything. What we have just witnessed is one of the great accomplishments in sports history. And it was centered primarily around the leadership and determination of one man. And it cements his legacy without reasonable objection. Tom Brady is the GOAT in American sports now. Michael Jordan is second. It kills me to say that. Kills me. But it has to be said. So that's my story. It takes place in the future. I will gather my, grand, my great-grandchildren around me. And I will tell them stories of watching Tom Brady play quarterback because he has now become the best player I ever saw. And I never, ever in my life would have thought that even remotely possible. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Right. Green list. Here we go. Today's green list. So we originally were going to do the five top plays from the Super Bowl last night. But when the game becomes a blowout, we call the audible. And I would describe last night as a shock. I I opened the show today by saying that I am reeling from shock at what that defense did last night to Kansas City. And so we went through the top five most shocking Super Bowl results ever. And if you're just joining me, I'll run through them quickly for you. Number five. I was just talking to Howie Long about this game. He was on this team, Super Bowl 18. The Raiders beat Washington 38-9. to That was a Washington team that was 14-2 that year. Joe Theismann was the MVP of the league. John Riggins rushed for 1,350 yards and scored 24 touchdowns. And the Raiders blew them out. I remember that game vividly. That's number five. Number four. Four is what the Legion of Boom did to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning still holds practically every offensive record from that year. He led the league that season in total yards per game, passing yards per game, points per game. They scored the most points ever. They scored the most touchdowns ever. He threw the most yards and touchdowns ever. And they lost 43-8, to 43-8 to eight to the Legion of Boom here in New York. That was one of the most stunning things I've ever seen. It's four on the list. Number three. Three on today's list is last night's game. What this defense, what this Tampa defense did to Mahomes and company, and I'll tell you why I have it ahead of the previous one, because this isn't the Legion of Boom. We knew this Bucks defense was good, but they're not the 85 Bears. Like, I don't think anyone, certainly not I, expected them to be this kind of dominant. I thought they might win the game, and I thought their defense might uh, have a good night, particularly with Kansas City's O-line being banged up. 
But to think that they would hold this team without a touchdown? No chance. No chance. So I would describe it as absolutely shocking and stunning. Last night, Super Bowl 55 is number three on the list of most stunning events in Super Bowl history. Number two. Two was the Giants beating the unbeaten Patriots. Now, sometimes I think because the Giants have become so legendary and beat them again, you forget that New England was a 12-point favorite in that game. They were 18-0. They had scored a record 75 touchdowns that season. They had scored the most points any team had in a season to that point. Tom Brady was the MVP. He threw 50 touchdowns that year. Randy Moss caught 23 of them. Wes Welker had another 112 catches for almost 1,200 yards. They obliterated the entire league. And they lost 17-14. To the NASCAR package in the Giants. One of the truly stunning wins of all time. But there's only one game that could be number one. Number one. This is not self-serving. This is not homerism. It is Super Bowl three, and it is the Joe Namath guarantee. Baltimore Colts were 18-point favorites, and the National Football League was considered to be completely not comparable to the AFL. Had the Jets gotten embarrassed in that game, as everyone expected them to, there may not have been a Super Bowl ever again. But the Jets and Joe Namath wound up winning that game 16-7 against an 18-point favorite. It remains one of the biggest upsets of all time and is number one on the all-time list of the most shocking things ever to happen in the Super Bowl. Extraordinary. There's no question about it. Brady and, and, and what can I say? The Buccaneers, that what they pulled off is practically a sports miracle in this season of all seasons. All right, I want to remind you that we are... Valentine's Day is around the corner here, gang. The pressure is on. And in every relationship, there is a short list of forgivable offenses. Missing the most romantic day of the year is not one of them. So here's the good news. Right now, 1-800-Flowers is a last-minute offer for my listeners. You can get 24 beautiful multicolored roses for just $34.99. Or you can upgrade that to 24 red roses for $10 more. You're going to be gorgeous. All the roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak. They're cared for every step of the way. They're shipped fresh to ensure lasting beauty. Bouquets are selling fast. You have to take care of this right now. Get right to the romance this Valentine's and find the way to wow with 1-800-Flowers.com. And here's how you do it. To order 24 multicolored roses for just $34.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, enter my name, Greeny. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, enter Greeny. Hurry, the offer expires Wednesday, so get on this because Valentine's Day is right around the corner. All right, again, congratulations, Tom Brady. Congratulations, Bruce Arians. Congratulations, Todd Bowles. Congratulations on an extraordinary season and an extraordinary win in Super Bowl 55. The Buccaneers are the champions of the football world. And I will see you back in better than ever right here tomorrow, same time, same place, ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.